0: Welcome to Homestand Sports, the podcast for the passionate fan. I'm your host, Albert Vartanian, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Pooney, who...
1: Surprised that Max Domi actually scored a goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs.
0: Oh, we'll talk about him today, because on today's show, the Maple Leafs lost to Boston again. But was that their best performance of the season? What's it going to take to get Chris Tanev in a Leaf sweater? And why John Tavares isn't the right captain for Toronto. You're going to want to tune in to listen to Pooney's take on that one. Lots to get to, lots to answer. So let's get this party started. I'm Albert Vartanian, and this is Homestand Sports. Okay, Justin, let's talk some Leafs. They lost a heartbreaker on Saturday night to the Boston Bruins. And who scores the game winner? Brad Marchand. A lot of talk is about how the Leafs played in that game and. Maybe just maybe it was actually their best performance of the season, even though they lost. What say you?
1: I don't know if it was their best performance because they lost. So you can't really have your best performance and lose. Uh, they did show some character. You know, there wasn't the fights or the scraps, or the physicality that we thought we would see uh, in this game, like that type of answer from the Toronto Maple Leafs. But uh, they did show some sort of pushback. You know, they got down to nothing, Claude back, tied it. Lost the lead again. Came back. Matthews with the goal. Late, late, late in the dying seconds of the game. But Albert, I don't know, man. Just again, another overtime game. And I know you mentioned it before. They're picking up points. But the, the fact that they can't close games out in 60 minutes. The fact that they aren't playing a complete 60 minutes. Because let's face it. That first period and the beginning of the second period. They played well. But I don't think they were dominated. I think there's another gear this team can go. Right. I think you and I both can agree that the Toronto Maple Leafs can take their play to another notch. Now, was it big? And can we see, you know, confidence boosters from a guy like Max Domi, who finally, finally scored a goal? Um, Austin Matthews looked like Austin Matthews, but we see it all the time now where Matthews will have a great game and then he'll go hidden for three, four games. Right. So, there was positives, but to answer your question, no, it wasn't a complete game because they still lost, right? And there was still a lot of errors, I felt, um, that I'm going to talk about later on in the show. But that John Tavera's back check uh, at the end of the game in overtime was piss poor, right? That was horrible. You are the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you did nothing on that same play. The captain of the Boston Bruins, Brad Marchand, who was pretty invisible the entire game, got tangled up, got right back up, kept up with the play. Those are the mental lapses that I've seen in the Toronto Maple Leafs this season where um, they kind of not give up, but they just don't put the full effort on the back check or stuff like that. Joseph Wall, again, has to continue to stand on his head, right? Look at all those saves in overtime he made, Albert. If he doesn't make those saves in overtime and in 60 minutes, This game is over before, right? So, again, I want to see the Leafs play a complete 60 minutes, and it's going to be very hard, though, right now for them to look very good against good competition because of the issues on the back end. So, they played good. Sheldon Keefe said both teams deserve two points. That, you know, that's kind of right,
0: but I don't think it was the Leafs' best performance all season. Yeah, just to touch on the Tavares thing, and that's kind of being blown up. And before I came in here, I was thinking about how am I going to what's my what's my take on this and yeah. it's it's a weird one because Nylander gets caught at center heist Tavares is at the Boston Bruins blue line and I think he stands there and just assumes Pasternak's on the breakaway and overtime that he's going to score I think that's what happened I think he assumed that was going to happen and then once Wall made the save he tried to get up and running again and obviously it's too late when you have you know Brad, March- Brad Marchand on the doorstep picking the puck out of the air and dropping it in it's definitely not a good look I think for sure it's not a good look but mm-hmm. I think, in a way, it's also being blown out of proportion because of the position that he was in. If you look at the whole play in general, the reason why Nylander was kind of lollygagging with the puck at center ice is because he's waiting for McCabe to skate to get his ass off the ice. I'm not, I'm not giving Tavares a pass or Nylander a pass for what happened, but I think it's just not as big as, as people want to make it seem. It's not, it's not the end of the world, is what I'm saying. Considering, it- listen, you know, I, I'm, we both are, but especially me, I feel like I'm super critical of this team. And that's because we're so far into this Marner, Tavares, uh, Nylander, Matthews project, and there's been relatively no success. And I feel like there should be more. It should have been onto the level of the Boston Bruins. If you go back, you know, five, six seasons ago, you had these young Leafs, you know, taking on this veteran Bruins team, or the top class in the NHL, and you were expecting maybe five, six years down the road, the Leafs would usurp them and be that top team in the Eastern Conference. And that's not the case. And I think you got to give the Boston Bruins credit for that. And you got to hammer the Leafs for that as well. But to throw some positivity into this Leafs performance, uh, I thought it was really good. I'm not going to say their best performance either. I thought they outplayed Boston for the majority of the game, but it comes down to the result and they didn't win the game. But with that said, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, what is this Leaf team? What's their identity? Are they soft? Are they hard to play against? Are they just super talented? Are they going to outscore you but leak in a lot of goals? And I think there's there's a lot of that. But I think recently – in the past 11 games, they're 7-2 two, and 2, missing three defensemen and running a rookie goaltender. I think they actually deserve a lot more credit than people are giving them. And maybe, just maybe, in this small pocket of time where they're missing some players, and I know it's early, we just entered December, but maybe they're starting to build up some sort of identity now. Maybe they're showing they can they can fight even though they're missing some key players. Because listen, most teams in the NHL, if if they lose three defensemen. Mm -hmm. and they're winning more games than they're losing they probably get a lot more credit but for some reason you know here in toronto the team is under a microscope so they get criticized for everything but i think they just deserve a lot of credit and that's where the 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 positives from the performance for me are are huge because the leafs just you would not expect them to be in this position they held the best team in the nhl at least one of the best teams in the nhl all the way to the brink of overtime yes they lost but there was a lot of positives to come out of that performance
1: yeah, I think the reason why people are questioning them still, and the questions and the heat, and the um, the the negative connotation around them is because look at how they're winning, right? They're right. winning in the shootout. They're winning in overtime. They're winning, you know, these close games that go into reg pass regulation. Where let's face it. Three on three in the shootout, in some cases, it's kind of a coin flip, right? You get one bad break on three on three, and then you got an odd man rush, and a goal happens, right? You get in the shootout where we both know it's it's a crap shoot, right? Whoever has the more talented guy or finds an opening or whatever or finds the, you know, doesn't double tap the puck past the goalie or whatever, right? That's (laughs) how you're going to win. So when I look at the Leafs and this last stretch of these overtime games, look, I was betting, I bet the bet past uh, regulation every single leaf game because yeah. that's how they have to win. They have to win these low scoring, dirty games right now because of what they have on the back end. Albert, they're not going to be able to, their big guys can't afford to take too many big chances because if you leave too many odd man rushes against this defense court you're going to get eaten alive or Joseph wants to stand on his head. But we know Albert, a goalie can't stand on his head for an entire regular season. They go through hot patches where they play really, really well and you can't get anything by them, but then they fall back to regression and wall has played very, very well the last couple weeks. Right. But we're not going to expect that to be sustainable until the playoffs and into the playoffs. He's going to go through a tough period. We're going to see Samson off back in the net more often than not. Right. So, when I look at this situation and when I see this unfold for the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, yes, they're collecting points. Yes, they're, they're winning games, close games. But I'm going to bring it back to these teams in other sports that in the past that you see play these close games. We just saw the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday, right, in the NFL. How many one-possession games have they won this year? They have the best record in the NFL. They won a bunch of one-score games. But then they played an absolute buzzsaw in the San Francisco 49ers, and they got destroyed, right? And I'm not saying the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to get destroyed when they play stiffer competition because they played the Boston Bruins very well. But what I'm saying is this: when the rubber meets the pavement here with the Leafs, and they have to go on a tough stretch, look, they have a bunch of days. They don't play till Thursday. Sheldon keeps it, they're going to practice more. You know, maybe that's going to improve this improve this roster, or whatever. Because I think that's very important for teams, especially when there's been a whole lot of change. On the back end, but when they play stiffer competition, their schedule tightens up a little bit more, right? And as teams start finding themselves more, um, you're gonna need to play tough structured hockey, and you're gonna need to rely on a defense score and rely on a goalie. And I think when that happens, what the Leafs currently have right now, Albert, is they're not going to be making it to overtime games. They're not going to be winning in shootout because they're not going to be talented enough on the back end, and I don't know if they're going to have consistent enough goaltending or sustainable enough goaltending to withstand that. And I think that's my biggest concern for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Matthews needs to be more consistent. Yes, mm-hmm. Marmer's played well. Nylander, it's kind of cooled off a bit after that that historic point streak he was on. We could say what we want about John Tavares. The bo- the problems still exist with this team here. Um. And I think just collecting these points is slightly masking over that, but there's still some a, a whole lot of underlying problems with this roster that are gonna reach the surface once teams and you know start finding themselves more getting healthy and stuff like that.
0: I get what you're saying, but they're already mm-hmm. going through a rough stretch, missing these players and running a rookie netminder, and and their best players aren't performing to the level that they need to. Those were Matthews' first goals since Sweden. Since that game against Minnesota. Nylander has two points since Sweden. It seems like a long time ago. Devares, last 13 games, two goals on 41 shots. So I think they're going through this rough stretch. And this is where I go back to maybe they're building up some sort of identity. I think they're actually Mm. showing a lot of heart. There's a lot of things that need to be corrected on this team. I'm not saying that that's not the case. But I think they just deserve a little bit more credit. I mean mm-hmm. when you when you're again when you're missing three defensemen and you're still picking up points and if you look at the last 11 games in terms of goals against they've only like allowed three more than the Boston Bruins and yeah, no. just, it's just something that no one's really talking about mm-hmm. and when you're going through these rough patches you need your goaltender to step up Joseph Wall is doing that to be honest everyone's questioning is Joseph Wall the real deal I mm-hmm. think he is when the chips are down he's making big saves in overtime on that breakaway you would mm-hmm. give it to Pasternak 9 times out of 10 but no mm-hmm. Wall stops him so I just feel like They, they deserve, they definitely deserve a lot more credit, but with that said, they will never be, um, in the class of a Boston Bruins team Mm -hmm. right now, because they, they play down to their opponents for whatever reason. And what do the best teams in the NHL do? They consistently play well against any team and the Leafs, they're not that team right now. With that said, there could be some moves incoming, you know, we heard about, uh, Chris Tanev and Zadorov being linked to the Toronto Maple Leafs that was Elliot Friedman mm-hmm. who mentioned that and actually on today's uh, 32 Thoughts podcast he did talk about how the Leafs are still going after Tanev and so we'll talk about that coming up after the break and what will it take for the Toronto Maple Leafs to bring him in. Okay, hey, Justin, Chris Tanev. Uh the Leafs uh were in on him, apparently still are in on him. The move was uh, according to Elliot Friedman, they wanted it's door off from the Flames, and they wanted Chris Tanev. But the sticking point was Calgary not wanting to retain salary, and the Leafs are going to need to make that happen in one way or another if they want a defenseman. So that's why they didn't, they didn't get both. But what's clear is that, Brad, Tree Living, the Leafs, are obviously aggressive in this market. I think defensemen are probably going to come at some point.
1: Mm-hmm. But if
0: you're Tree Living, how do you make this happen where you bring Chris Tanev over to the Toronto Maple Leafs? I just think you move off Chris Tanev. You're not going to get him. Right, just don't worry about Chris Tanev anymore. They could
1: still want to try to get him and stuff like that. But how do you make the money work, right? And that's the biggest question. How Tanev is making a bit over a bit over four million, right? As currently constructed, the Leafs have, I believe, what is it? They have about a million five right now on uh, cap space, according to cap friendly. Right now, look, they're getting. If you need a team to eat up fifty percent of another players' salary, especially a team like Calgary that wants to clear cap space and rebuild, you're going to have to attach a pretty fat sweetener onto that, right? So, when I look at this situation with the Toronto Maple Leafs, you're not going to get Chris Tannum, I think. I think as currently constructed, because they don't have a whole lot of assets to give up that a team, a rebuilding team like Calgary would want. You're not going to trade Matthew Nyes. I don't think you're going to trade Nick Robertson. Are you going to sell another first-round pick? when you don't have one next year, then the next one you have for that is twenty twenty six. are you going to sell another first round pick for a, for a, a depth defenseman, a top, you know, Tana will fit in. He won't be a first pairing guy, but he might be a second pairing or a mm, third pairing guy. I disagree. Okay. Maybe, right. He'll be, he'll play in the top six. He might eat up a whole lot of minutes. Right. But he's going to be a UFA at the end of the year. There's no contract term attached to it. So uh, a first round pick on a rental, and for them to eat fifty percent of your salary, um, it's going to be tough, Albert. I don't think what the Maple Leafs that's currently constructing, what they have in the, their chamber to get a guy. I don't know if they have enough to get Tanev because they're just too much they have to, too much obstacles to overcome. Now, can they get it? Maybe a guy like Ethan Bear, a guy that my Vancouver Canucks are interested in. He's going to come on the cheap. He's a guy you could eat up top six minutes. I think he's not a high end as high end as Chris Tannehill, but he could be an improvement over a guy like Simon Benoit or Max Lajoie or whomever, right? He's a serviceable NHL defenseman. Um, When I look at this team, I don't think they can afford to go kind of big game hunting on the defense core just because they don't have the assets to give up and they don't have the cap space. And I don't see... I just don't see it happening, Albert, for them to go that without moving a substantial prospect or another first-round pick, which people might say, oh, that's at the end of the at the end of the first round, but you got to think about it. You keep on trading away first round picks. Eventually it's going to come back and bite you in the ass where you have, you're seeing it right now where they need to call guys up from the minor leagues, but these guys aren't renowned prospects coming up or anything like that. They don't have a high end ceiling wise. They're just got plug and play guys that you hope and you cross your fingers that they don't mess up. So when I look at this situation, you just move off Chris Tanev and try to figure out a way to, fill out your back end with cheaper alternative options that are better
0: than what you have right now. No, I don't think they can do that. I think they need to go all in on Chris Tana, but who, who is, who's, who's out there. You need to to address your defense right now. You need a top four guy right now. There's no one else that's really available that can fill that role. At least no one that we know of anyway, we know for a fact that 10 as excuse me, is available. Right. So the Leafs need to figure out how you're going to make that happen. Clearly, Craig Conroy does not want to retain salary. So okay. you have to remove that unless you throw in that first round pick as a sweetener for that for that to happen. I'm not sure if that's the case, but he's perfect. I think for you can put him beside a Morgan Riley and play him on the right side. He's a right shot defenseman. And if you're looking at what are you going to do after you bring him in? I don't know what the pieces that Toronto may that the Toronto police have to send to Calgary to make it happen. But in terms of what happens after once you get Tanev, Brody is off the books at the end of the season. You can re-sign TANF if you want. What's he going to ask for? Max, let's say six million a year. He's making what four and a half at the moment, mm-hmm. so that's that's more than doable. And I think that's what Tree Living wants to do. I think he wants to bring him in and re-sign him. I just don't know if that's what if Cal, how Calgary feels about potentially retaining salary and then having mm-hmm. another team sign him. How that's going to look. But there's no one else out there, and you need to make something happen now. Again, we always talk about being in win mode now, win now mode. That's what the Leafs are in. So you have to make a decision. Chopping Mm -hmm. and changing your defense and your bottom six is something they've been doing for the past four or five seasons, and it's got them nowhere. Go get the guy that's available at the moment because there's no one else out there, and make it happen. Whatever it takes. If you have to give up a first-round pick, you have to give up a first-round pick because there's no other option. There's literally no other option to fix your defense. The main guy right now that's available is Tanev. Go out and get him.
1: See, there is another guy out there, and if Ooh. when when Friedman reported on Saturday saying that the San Jose Sharks, a team who is horrible, right, is willing to move pieces off their defense court, Mario Ferraro, three point two five million, he's twenty five years old, right? He's got f- two more years after this year on his deal. He's a left, he's a left shot defenseman, right? Yeah. But a guy that like that could come in. And he plays a whole lot with the San Jose Sharks. He's a guy that I would look at. He's younger. He's got term. He's cheaper, right? And he's from Toronto, right? He played his hockey at Dot with the Don Mills Flyers. A guy like that could be the best option. And and if the Leafs are in cap trouble, San Jose might just be like, okay, well, we're stockpiling as many assets as we want. We have $10 million in cap space, right? I think that's a better option than Chris Tanev, right? But... Like you mentioned, you can go after Tana but you don't. And I disagree with you right there, like solely going after Tanev. You can't put all your eggs in one basket, right? Because if the Tanev thing doesn't work out, then what do you pivot to? You should have your hands in everywhere and trying to see what you can get anywhere across the league. Don't solely focus on Chris Tanev because... What happens if he goes elsewhere? What happens if the Flames get a, another package offer, right? What happens if they want to trade him to the Canucks for another fifth-round pick? Who knows, right? Right. We don't. So I think there's better options around that you can go after. Like I mentioned, San Jose. I know St. Louis has some defensive pieces. name the names? Name the names. Who? Like I keep
0: well, I mean, hear, everyone I mean, keeps saying, "Oh, there's a, who?" Like Sean Walker from Philly. Like who you are we could go Sean Walker
1: here? from Philly. I mean, you could also go. I'm been looking at what does Minnesota do on the uh you uh, know they're winning games right now, but could a guy like I don't know you know but listen, John Merrill? This is,
0: what, this is what I'm saying is that at right. the moment we know for a fact that Tanev is available. Now yeah. there's, there's reports and rumors that maybe Conroy will think about re-signing him. Mm-hmm. If that's going to happen, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure at least I would assume so that Tree Living isn't pu- putting all his eggs in one basket. I'm sure like. If you have a priority list, Chris Tanev is at the top, mm. and then you're looking at other players because it's not going to just be one in. I think a couple of players are probably going to come in to the Leafs blue line because they have no choice; they have to do that. They're going to bury Klingberg. Looks like he's going to be done. Who knows yeah. what happens with Ryan Reeves? That's a whole other discussion I think we need to have because uh, him playing a couple shifts tonight and then sitting in the press box for three or four straight games isn't sustainable. So maybe he gets he gets thrown on LTR or whatever happens with that with that salary. But right. at the moment, Tanev is available and i just feel like you got to do whatever it takes to bring him in because this this situation on your blue line mm-hmm. is not sustainable for the rest of the season and i just said they're showing some heart they're playing well despite these injuries right. but that's only going to last for so long i mean you can't run morgan riley and brody you know 25 plus minutes every single night when jordano comes back you can't ride them the same amount of minutes because mm-hmm. come you know april and may these guys are going to have nothing left in the tank That's what's so important about this. And listen, they might not be just looking for additions on the blue line. You know, why not look for additions in the forward core? They haven't been as great as they need to be. So I think there's a lot to address here. But you have a clear lane to what you need to do to bring in Chris Tanev. And it has to involve a first-round pick. So be it.
1: Albert, they have one first round pick this year, no right. second rounder, a third rounder, a fourth rounder. I they don't it. really have any prospects to give up. And the ones that are the high end ones, like a guy in Nyes and Robertson, they're not going to give them up. And they made that very, very clear. So when I look at this roster and I look at this situation, yes. And to me, I wonder that Freeman report, how much was that just the Leafs, somebody in the Leafs organization just leaking that saying that oh, this was the instance. How do we know how far along those talks got, right? Was it that the only sticking point? Was there further sticking points?
0: Was that just. Well, I mean, Leafs? that's a pretty big sticking point, right? 50% yeah. of salary for both players. That's what so, I'm saying. Three, the per- almost $4 million?
1: Yeah, but I want to say the perception is that, oh, the Leafs were really close. That was the only sticking point in that deal. Do we know that for sure? So when I look at this situation, go after. Look, I don't think you're going to get a Tanev or whoever else becomes available on the yeah. top end market. You can get those lower end market guys that are still better than what you have at the bottom half of your defense core, right? You can still do make moves like that, that I think make more sense considering the Leafs don't have very many assets to give up. And right now what they have is just AHL guys. You can get some serviceable NHL defensemen for a lower price that can come in and still play better, I feel. Um, I don't know. The TANF situation, I know everybody in Toronto is hyped and amped up about it, but. I just don't see it happening unless the Leafs are willing to add some major sweeteners that will be.
0: That's exactly what I'm saying. You, I mean, this, the Leafs are in a, a different position where they have to make a move and he embodies, I think everything true living is talking mm-hmm. about. You get a shutdown guy, you know, you get that snot. I mean, the guy just, he's blocking shots with his face in the regular season. Yeah. I mean, there could be other defensemen out there that we don't know about, but I'm just saying from what we know, he's available. Go out and make it happen because you have no choice. If you're Brad you Living, you absolutely have no choice. And he kind of put himself in this position with some of the, the mm-hmm. contracts that he brought over and that he signed in the offseason, right? I mean, we'll get into it in the next block about Ryan Reeves and yeah. what a mistake that was and what you need to do with that salary moving forward. But I think one thing we can agree on, Justin, is that they need to do something. And I think most likely I would put like a 95% chance that the Leafs end up bringing in some sort of defenseman between now and the trade deadline. Because if they don't, then I'm not sure what the hell they're doing. Yeah. Well, look,
1: their schedule is pretty. I'm looking at their schedule right now for December. It's kind of light, man. They got Ottawa. They got Nashville. They play the New York teams. Columbus a few times. Columbus three times, actually. They play the Rangers twice. Pittsburgh, Carolina. Look, and then they open up the new year with L.A. And then Anaheim, San Jose, back to back. Then the Islanders again. So they have about, I would say, six weeks right now to really address this defense core. Before you really start playing, then you go to Colorado, Detroit, Edmonton, Calgary, Seattle, Winnipeg. Like, in the middle of December and early February, your schedule picks up a lot. So you're going to need reinforcements because you're going to be going that Western Canada road trip. We've talked about how good Edmonton's playing of late. We've talked about how good the Canucks are. Talking about going to these tough barns where you're going to have to play very well. When you have teams that have offensive firepower, like the teams I just mentioned, can this makeshift defense core holdup i don't know so brad tree living the clock is ticking it's time to make a move and sometimes making smaller moves is better than making one massive move
0: oh i like that well brad time is ticking says Justin pooney okay coming up, up coming up excuse me After the break, uh, we'll talk about Ryan Reeves. We'll talk about Max Domi scoring his first goal as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Mm -hmm. And Pooney has his thoughts on John Tavares as the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Should he be stripped, Justin Pooney. We'll talk about that after the break. Okay, Justin, let's go take for take. Let's start with Max Domi, who scored his first goal as a Leaf this past Saturday against the Boston Bruins. He's got 12 points now, one goal, 11 assists. Has his season officially started, bro? No, it hasn't,
1: man. Your season doesn't start when you score your first goal. Your season starts in October when everybody else's season starts. Max Domi has been the stat line looks good. Like he's about to get 45 points this year. You know he's only got the one goal, but he's you know he's been setting up a lot of plays too. I remember it was the game in Tampa Bay that Saturday night comeback where I think you said to me that. Oh, this is it for Max Domi. What a play. He turned around his season with a great assist because he had a saucer pass. I don't know if that was you or somebody was else.
0: definitely
1: not me. It might have been you, bro. It might have been you. I don't know. I'll have to check the footage or whatever. But Max Domi has been invisible. The only times I really noticed Max Domi this season was when he was getting his ass kicked in fights consistently, especially by Sam Bennett, yeah. right? When I look at Max Domi, he had so much pressure on himself that he put on um saying that you know i'm home now i you know i'm glad to be here doing the ovo shoot with drake and stuff like that being the son of ty domi you know the leafs legend ty domi how um, does he
0: put pressure on himself by being the son of ty domi that's that's not his fault. by doing
1: by by doing things like being in ovo shoot with drake and ty domi's in it as that's well, the well that? Oh, you're in
0: toronto that's what happens man that's, i'm just that's saying cool.
1: look and then him saying you know what he said about playing in montreal versus playing in toronto right how that's different and stuff like that like you're putting pressure on yourself you're making three million bucks to come into this city to this team to be a difference maker and i don't think he's been a difference maker this season he's been just like bertuzzi and klingberg and reeves he's been a
0: failure albert so let me ask you this what are your like honest like your true expectations for max domi as a leaf let's say before the season started your expectation would have been what
1: if Max Domi could have scored 15 to 10 to 15 uh, to 15 to 17 goals, you know, have 35 to, to 40 points, which he's projected to do. I'd be impressed. But the biggest thing is not on the stat sheet. Can I notice him every night? Is he getting hard in on the four check? Is he playing with snot? Is he playing with snarl? Is he doing what he does best? Being a tough guy to play against being an agitator. Is he being that? I don't notice Max Domi a whole lot on the ice when I watch him play. Right? So, that's the biggest thing to me is you are brought in. The points are one thing, but can you be a difference maker off the score sheet as well? And I just don't see that with him.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Listen, I thought he's been better on the third line since he was inserted there. That third line's been pretty mm-hmm. good, but um I just thought my 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 bar wasn't set that that high with Max Domi. He's a depth guy, and I think they're gonna really rely on him or what they want from him in the playoffs more than the regular season and like Mm -hmm. you said he's on pace for what 45 if he hits 50 points i think that's pretty good for a three million dollar player on a one-year deal obviously you want more from every single player but you get what you get and listen because he's the son of of ty domi you do get that unnecessary pressure but that's not his fault justin pooney don't blame the guy for for ty domi being his pops
1: i guess so albert but look man like It's going to happen. Look, we're in Toronto, you said, right? Those comparisons are going to happen. No, no, I mean,
0: we're in Toronto. That's why he's getting the OVO shoot. That's why, like, you know, fourth liners get cars from dealerships and get their own dealerships. That only happens in Toronto. When are we going to get our car? car I know, I want a car too, Uh, man. You got to know
1: somebody, no? I know some people that can get us a free car, but...
0: (laughs) Hey, is Ryan Reeves going to get a free
1: car? That's what I was about to ask you right now. Speaking of Ryan Reeves, um, again... (laughs) <laughs> nothing noticing this guy other than taking dumb penalties and stuff like
0: that. But is it time for the Leafs to move on from Ryan Reeves? I think so. I think if you can, you probably have to. And Brad, you living just has to eat this one. 1.35 million. I mean, we're, we're at 20 plus games into the first year of this contract. That's a three year mm-hmm. contract. And what did he play against Boston? Eight shifts. Really a non-factor. Um, if he's, uh, if he, if he's playing with the team on any given night, he's not playing many shifts. Like I just mentioned, And then after that, he's probably sitting in the press box. I mean, dollar in, dollar out. Every dollar matters in the salary cap era. You can't be carrying around a guy who essentially does nothing for your team. I just want to know what he does. I would love for the players in Bradstreet Living to come out and be like, this is why we're paying him $1.35 million because of the confidence he brings Mm -hmm. Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner or whatever the case may be because I haven't really seen anything. Are they playing a little bit tougher and standing up for themselves a little bit more? I think so. I really think they have. And I think that had something to do with what happened in Boston. Was that because of him? Did he go in the dressing room and rip every single player? Because I heard Keith said the same thing. So was it Keith? Was it Reeves? What is he actually doing to earn that 1.35? And I'm not, you know, hammering Reeves for making that money. If someone wants to pay you that money, dude, that's great. Go get your money. That's not on you. That's on them for wanting to give you that salary. Like Mm -hmm. Bill Guerin said in Minnesota, we wanted to keep Reeves. But what happened? The Toronto Maple Leafs backed up the Brinks truck. That's a quote from Bill Guerin. So he that did. tells you a lot about this player. I mean, he's wanted by teams, but at this price and what he's doing and the cap issues that the Leafs have right now, you have to find a way to move on from this guy. It's as simple as that.
1: But how are you going to move? Who's going to take on Ryan Reeves
0: I, at I $1.35 know. Point I, I don't know. There... for another two years after this year? I know. Maybe there's, a salary, maybe there's a salary retention there. I, I have no idea. A salary retention on a fourth-line player? I don't that know. Even like, play? How yeah. do you, but like... Okay, but okay, so... This is the question I think that everybody right. has. If you can come up with something that actually makes sense, then please let me know. I, I just think
1: you're stuck with Ryan Reeves. Whether you got to park his butt in the press box and you got to park his ass in the press box, yeah. right? When Ryan, Ree- Ryan Reeves signed the deal that was given to him, who gave it to him? Brad Tree living in this team. You signed him now. Uh, two what is it? What seven weeks into the season, eight weeks into the season, we're yeah. now you can't just say, okay, yo. Know, That's it. We want to buyer's remorse. That's not how pro sports work. You sign him to that deal. You're stuck with him. Make it work. Make it work, right? Because nobody, and I'm telling you, nobody in the NHL, no smart self, not even any competent or slightly below competent general manager in the NHL is going to take on Ryan Reeves at 1.35 for another two seasons. Nobody's going to do that. Like Bill Guerin said, they backed the bring structure because this team is so desperate to seem tough, and they're not tough, and they still haven't been tough with Ryan Reeves. He hasn't opened up space for anybody.
0: So you're stuck with this situation. You made this mess. You're stuck with it. Yeah, and more importantly you're not going to play him in the playoffs, right? So that 1.35, you might as well just eat it. Uh, before we drop this topic, I just want to say, Michael DiStefano had a tweet over the weekend, which I thought was great. And I know you're going to love this one. You, as a Vancouver fan, will love this one. So he tweets out, It's still absurd that Toronto opted to make Sam Lafferty $1.15 million a cap casualty because they needed to force Ryan Reeves $1.35 million onto the roster. Right now, Lafferty on ice, five on five, goals for 16, six of those of of his own, goals against seven. Ryan Reeves on ice, five on five, two goals, one of his own, goals against 12. What a difference that is. And I was watching the Vancouver game the other night against uh, Calgary, Calgary. and I noticed, well, look who's on the top line tonight, Sam Lafferty, who scores a goal. So you look at that and those moves, and it's just it's not painting Bradtree living in in a good way at all. Sam Lafferty has been great for the Canucks. He's played yeah, up and down see, dude, the lineup. He's got, he's got a lot, he's of, he's got a lot every, of skills. For, for what he's making right now, Sam
1: Lafferty has been great for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Ryan Reeves,
0: not so much. The, the deal just made no sense. But listen, here we are. And this is something we that Rattie Living has to deal with. Okay, I'm going to give you the final word. And it has to do with John Tavares mm-hmm. on whether or not he actually uh, deserves to be the captain and is he actually the right guy to wear the C for Toronto.
1: Albert, when you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, historic brand, original six franchise, um, you know some might say Toronto is the biggest hockey market in the world. Very well, might be. I'm not gonna go on and admit, admit that, but it's definitely one of the biggest. Um, this team right here, this core of Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and all of that, and I said this when it first happened, was doomed when they decided to go get the guy who wore leaf pajamas when he was a little kid. You overpaid for John Tavares, $11 million. He was the big fish on that free agency. And ever since then, I thought this team will never win a Stanley Cup as John Tavares, if John Tavares is the leader and if John Tavares is making $11 million. And I've been right so far, Albert. John Tavares is a good NHL player. He's a good... Very good, sorry, very good NHL player. He's gonna have you know almost. I think he's almost had a thousand assists or whatever in his career. You know he had some good seasons in Long Island. But when I look at John Tavares, and I when I think about captain, I think about guys like Steve Eiserman, Joe Sakic. You think about guys like you know I know Leaf fans might even say Wendell Clark, right? I saw on Instagram today they're showing Wendell Clark highlights of blowing people up, right? That's not John Tavares' game, right? John Tavares, to me, isn't right to lead the Toronto Maple Leafs in Toronto. He doesn't have the personality for it. He doesn't have the the heart for it. I think I don't think John Tavares was the right choice to be the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right when I look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, I they need a captain in this market who's willing every night to put it all on the line to not only with the media but on the ice as well. Because as much as P, I Dislike Leaf fans, and I think they're you know delusional. They are smart, right? They understand the game of hockey. What I saw on Saturday night on that back check in overtime, and again, you think people are going too hard on it? Well, I think the exact opposite. You are the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It is your duty, your duty, to not let that happen. I look Matt Sundin, right? Captain for a long, got abused by Toronto media for a very long time, right? Matt Sundin at least showed some heart on certain occasions right when I look at John Tavares and when I look at this team and how it's built I just don't think he's the right guy to be the leader of this team he's a guy who puts up a lot of stats but when you look at his career and history when it matters the most in the playoffs what did he ever do in Long Island nothing what has he done so far with the Leafs nothing right when I look at John Tavares He doesn't have the personality for it. He doesn't have the clutch factor for it. He just isn't it to be the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And is it going to be a situation like in San Jose where he has to be stripped of the seat? I absolutely think that should be on the table, especially going into the offseason. Is it time where they need to shake things up now? His contract situation is coming up as well. Is he going to stay in Toronto after this contract? We don't know. But is it time for him to relinquish the sea? I think so. I think there are other guys. I thought Morgan Riley is more deserving to be the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs because Morgan Riley's been here through the tough times, but I also noticed Morgan Riley a lot more. I find with the media, Morgan Riley is a lot more accountable. He has the personnel. He's more of a leader in the locker room and especially with guys that, let's face it, in the playoffs that are weak-minded like Matthews, Marner, and Nylander that have shriveled up under pressure before you need a guy who's willing to step up and be like no no we're not gonna do this I know Tavares isn't a raw rah guy like that but and I think what a guy like Steve Eiserman in Detroit he was never the raw raw guy but people always said when Steve Eiserman spoke they listened when Steve Eiserman's out there in the playoffs blocking shots and this is a guy who's put up crazy amount of points blocking shots sacrificing his body doing this and that he had the respect of his teammates I don't know if these guys fully respect John Tavares as a leader. And, Albert, this is the final word about why John Tavares should be stripped of his seat with the Toronto Maple Leafs.
0: All right, thanks for listening. That's it for Homestand Sports. We'll be dropping episodes throughout the week, so keep your eyes peeled for that. You can find Homestand Sports anywhere you download your podcasts, including Apple, Amazon, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. I'm Albert Vartanian, and this has been Homestand Sports.